when Twitter added the ability to post images on people on, on Twitter. Yep. So, like, one, everyone hated it because, like, this was my pure, perfect you text. Hate change, right? Yeah, because this is my pure, perfect text feed, and suddenly there's images in it. What is this? Facebook? It's awful. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. This happens every six months. <laughs> Hi, everybody. This is Soren Johnson, and you're listening to Designer Notes, a podcast about why we make games. Today, we are talking to independent game developer Asher Vollmer. Asher is a co-founder of Servo Studios, and he's best known for his work on the mobile games Puzzle Juice and Threes. What I think you should like to start with is, what's the first game you remember? Uh, the first game that I remember is let me think oh it was back in my my childhood home uh my parents had this weirdly large laundry room mm-hmm. it was still a small room but it was big for a laundry room uh and at the back of it was a computer uh that i think my dad got for us what, what type uh i don't know pc is that that? yeah name? it was pc i mean it was dos it was okay. uh this must have been like 1994 or something okay. so whatever computers were there uh, and I was too young to understand the DOS prompt or anything. Mm-hmm. So my sister had to come in and turn on games for me. Uh, and I think the first one I remember was Commander Keen. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was like a platformer. Yeah, it was a platformer. Like you played this goofy guy with it wearing a football helmet and you fought these like weird green glorps that walked around. Um, and really like that era of games was like my starting point, like Commander Keen and like Duke Nukem and like a bunch of edutainment games that I really liked. Like, um, Treasure Planet. No, that's not. That's a movie. Uh, <laughs> treasure Galaxy. Okay. Treasure Mountain. And then I think there was an underwater treasure one. Um, this was a series. It was a series. A series of, uh, uh, I can't, like the Learning Company games. That, oh, okay. Those were my favorite. Um, Did your parents get them for you then? Mm-hmm, yeah, my like... my dad my dad was, dad was an engineer. Uh, so he was he got me tons of games, uh, including like Putt-Putts and those sorts of games. And I was in love. I wonder how you ended up with Commander Keen. Um, I think he downloaded a bunch of games and he was not super into them, but he left them on the computer for us to play with, you know, good entertainment. Right, 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 right. Uh, but I was, I remember being so not good enough to get past the second level. Right. So it was mostly me watching my sister play video games. Right. Um, but yeah, so I definitely was a DOS kid for, for as long as I can remember. Right. Yeah. And, uh, what, so what, but what games did you gravitate towards once you were old enough to kind of, when I was uh, make your own choices. Yeah, uh, when I was old enough to make my own choices, uh, definitely uh, adventure games. I noticed that those were the most fun for me. I because I played some first person shooters. Uh, I like I played like uh, Quake and uh, I tried Descent, but I could not figure it out for the life of me. Um, so I ended up like finding uh, you know Monkey Island, and it was just just basically exploded my mind that it was like uh, oh cool there's these whole worlds uh inside of these games and they're not just abstract but they're like alive and characters and suddenly like like really interesting stories that i was into um you know like and like i it made me obsessed with pirates for a long time i was really into into the pirate culture just because of monkey island um would you uh would you try to solve it mostly yourself like do you remember how you went through it i think uh it, I remember. I remember specifically that the day that I figured out about walkthroughs, uh, and they were uh, 
uh, and it, I, I remember getting stuck on Monkey Island in Monkey Island One, yeah. and I just couldn't figure out how to progress forward. Yeah. And at that, and I had time to just play that game for hours and hours and butt my head against it and not figure it out. Do you remember what the puzzle was? Oh my god, I think it was. Uh, man. I think it was what to do when the cannibals kept locking you in the hut uh, and like what the next step was. I couldn't figure out what the next step was. Um, <laughs> and I don't remember what the answer was because I looked it up on a walkthrough. Right. My dad, yourself, so. No, my dad taught me about walkthroughs and I was like, oh man, this is great. Uh, I can now actually get through these games. Uh, and then I went through that cycle of being like too dependent on them. And Did like, the web exist at this point uh, where you would have found them? Yeah, yeah, this was... Uh, by the t- this, I was definitely a little older at the time. Um, so this would be like late late nineties. Yeah, late nineties. That sounds yeah, right. Okay. Yeah, late nineties game FAQs might have been game FAQs. I don't know how old that site is, but uh, but yeah, I would look up those walkthroughs and become dependent on them. Um, Did that at some point you started thinking I'm playing these games differently now? And like exactly, I had that I had that revelation. Like, wait a minute, this is not as fun. Right. I'm gonna like try to stop using walkthroughs uh and i actually used my dad as like an in-between mm. of like so uh, he would look it up yeah exactly he would look it up and he'd give me like a hint, hint. Yeah, oh, yeah that's pretty cool yeah actually. that's a good idea <laughs> you're like designing your own exactly <laughs> handle it how, how to handle like how obtuse adventure games can be especially like for a little kid who doesn't yeah like understand like a lot of like the esoteric references um which is especially true for leisure suit larry when i got my hands on that <laughs> Uh, this was the one where uh, they had their DRM, I guess. Yeah, I love that system. Was the was the quizzes uh, about how this old... Was about, like, 50s musicals ex- or ex- stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> like, during the Reagan administration and stuff right. like that. Stuff I, that, like, a kid would, would know, mm-hmm. theoretically. But, hey, they only had a finite number of questions. So I would... And if you got, like, three wrong, they would kick you out. So right. I would just keep hammering against it and then m- remember the answers to a question. Right. And then just eventually get in. So it's like not the best security system. Yeah. But. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's funny. Um, yeah, when I was, for me, going through adventure games would have been like the actual like, text adventures. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> because that would have been the early 80s. And yeah, similarly, like, you know, it it was hard for a, a kid to like figure out exactly how to, how to go through that. Mm-hmm. And, um, Especially those like, can't, like these were the games you had to like draw your own mazes and stuff like on right. grid paper. Yeah. And uh, that part I'm actually okay with because I love like, like the Bard's Tale series and that type of stuff mm-hmm. because like that's something a kid can do, right? A kid can spend time, yeah. you know, drawing stuff and like working their way through stuff that's straightforward. But for the text adventures, you know, there's a lot of like literally like guess the verb, right? Oh like, god, like, I, I know what I want to do, but I don't know how to type it in so the game understands it, right? Oh yeah. Um, so that's I had this exact. I remember very specifically. I was playing uh, one of the early King's Quests that had the little text prompt at the bottom, in addition to the crappy graphics on the screen. Mm. And I remember walking down to a screen, and then there was a thing on the ground, and I, it looked like a piece of cake. Mm-hmm. So I was like, pick up cake. And they're like, I don't see any cake. <laughs> pick up rock. Pick right. up circle. Pick up thing. And I just could not figure out how to tell the computer what that thing is. That with that terrible little, like, you know, six by six pixel thing. Um, so that was terrible. Yeah. But then the, I had the, I got the V, I got the mouse version of it. And right. Then it would actually tell you. It's just the thing. Like, the, it, it, when you think about any having any issues with the LucasArts games, mm-hmm. you have to remember that the LucasArts games were light miles <laughs> ahead of like the Sierra games, which mm-hmm. were just like an exercise in misery, mm-hmm. you know, because they they like their main point was to like fix these problems with with all the Sierra games. And, like you couldn't figure out what the you, know, you wouldn't figure out what these things are. The game would like 
you'd often get in these situations where you couldn't finish the game because mm-hmm. you didn't pick up something for oh, like yeah. an hour before and now you can't go back and like it was just it was awful game design like just just straight up like i remember as a kid i was scared to play them because i knew you could die and it was like <laughs> nope nope yeah i will never i will never be hurt in a lucas hearts game um <laughs> It, just, space. it felt very safe until I played Maniac Mansion, which did not have that rule like you could. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I remember dying. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and I remember that that's their, one of their rules, and I was always like confused about that. But uh, I think it was an early one. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, uh, but that yeah, I've, I eventually got over my fear by playing Space Quest Six. Yeah, which was such a weird game. <laughs> such a, <laughs> the Sierra games are like beautiful in their yeah. like. So when you think about taste. looking back now, what do you think about like that whole like, adventure game genre? Uh, I think it's fascinating. Like I think like they're still like that. Like adventure games are all about that that like just that one feeling of just that one feeling of oh I get it. Yeah. Like that's a hundred percent what adventure games are. Uh, I mean they're also like story and characters which are just pleasurable in themselves. Um, pleasurable like pleasurable systems in themselves but that feeling of like oh i've connected these two dots in my brain and the, they did not explicitly tell me to do it so i'm a genius and i'm clever and i'm great <laughs> like um so it's all about uh that feeling and i kind of i still really like that feeling obviously it's got a bunch of problems with it and like a lot of problems about reading the designer's minds um but I still think there's a way to do it right. And I think a lot of modern adventure games are approaching it right with like hint systems and um, stuff. Like I think the, actually the telltale Sam and Max games, mm-hmm. like I actually super loved their hint system because they would detect that, Hey, you haven't moved forward in a while. Right. So your little bunny character is going to like give you a little like nudge to go, which room to go to and what to look at and stuff like that. And I really, because like as good as that feeling is getting stuck is a thousand times worse. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's really frustrating knowing that there was this whole other half of the game for a lot of those things that I just I knew I never would never see because mm-hmm. I got I just got stuck at this one specific point, you know, and like, um, and even some of them like Mini Mansion was it's a great game. It had so many cool things about it, but also the fact that like it wasn't linear mm-hmm. meant that like when you were stuck, you didn't know where you were stuck. Yeah, right. You don't like, know where you screwed up or right. Like, yeah, it's it's tough. Um, yeah, I think like at the time growing. During that period of time where I think there was a lot of – you projected your imagination into games a lot. Mm-hmm. Some of the adventure games were great for that because it um, – you know, it it was what you kind of wanted a computer game to be, mm-hmm. right? And, um, you know, now I think that it's kind of like we realize that it's almost kind of like a – possible to make those type of games mm-hmm. because i mean you can do it but they're just now they're kind of like genre exercises yeah right like we know what an adventure game is so mm-hmm. like we're like okay there'll be a story there'll be a setting there'll be some puzzles and like we're gonna we're gonna do it in a way that's that's you know player player centric right so right. We give them hints but like but the old ones were more about the feeling of like like that feeling of D, like of like oh anything could happen here anything that you can imagine might happen in this game right like you're really imagining you're like taking part in a movie or something mm-hmm. like that and like i really felt like at some point in like the 90s basically like rpgs took over adventure yeah. games basically by like hey like let's do something that's more systematic and like you're probably not going to get stuck and like but you're still going to play that story and, mm-hmm. like, that's you know that's kind of like where that genre went um all right. Well, what else? I mean, were were there other types of games that you're really into in that in that period? In that period, uh, adventure games were a big thing. Um, 
And then eventually I did start like growing into first person shooters and like a little bit of Counter Strike with friends. Uh, I think my my absolute favorite of that era was uh, Jedi Knight Two Jedi Outcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was the one where they dropped the Dark Forces title. Uh, but <laughs> it's hard to understand that series. It's, it's so many names. <laughs> it was it was Dark Forces. No no no. Jedi Outcast was. I mean yeah, it was Dark Forces. One mm-hmm. and then Dark Forces Two colon Jedi Knight okay. and then Jedi Knight to Jedi Outcast uh, wow. and then Jedi Knight colon Jedi Academy. If they're all <laughs> <laughs> wow, it's impressive. You know that That's, that is something. <laughs> this is apparently what I store in my head. Uh, kinds of things, um, but yeah, that game was uh, that game had a similar like very cinematic feeling. Like it leveraged the Star Star Wars music and sound effects like so hard in a very satisfying way to the point where like I probably have seen the original Star Wars like. Twice, maybe. Right. Uh, but the sound effects and the music are so ingrained in my head because of... And actually the, the props and the settings and all right. that stuff, too, because of the Jedi Knight games. Uh, and that... So the feeling of story and also, like, amazing lightsaber combat, like, randomly, like, that I haven't had that much fun with in a long mm. time. It actually worked? It actually like, worked. It seems like swords fighting is, like, one of these things that never worked. Here, it's, uh, what it did was that it... As soon as you equipped the lightsaber, it popped you out to third person. Okay. And eventually it became like this runaround platformer sort of like, depending on what direction you're pressing, uh, you do a different lightsaber move. Okay. Which actually interacts with the other people on multiplayer online, uh, the lightsaber move that they're doing. And there was actually okay. like a sort was of rock, paper, scissors dis- element to discreet? it. Like there's six moves, so there's like six buttons? Is it that type of thing? There were three stances and then okay. each uh, direction that you could move and also staying still was a different... Uh, swing, swing. Okay. yeah, so you know, like forwards, backwards, backwards, left, uh, and they all had different, like you know, you know, lunging left you open. It was basically fencing, like a fencing yeah, sure. mini game, uh, and like that was really like it, they haven't done that since, and it's been. I think that's like a missing sort of fun yeah. gameplay that has not been explored in a while. That's interesting because like it's for, the way it sounds like it sounds like the it has sword fighting, but like it's not trying to. It's not trying to have a natural interface for it, mm-hmm. right? Like it's a gamey interface, yeah, right? Absolutely. Um, but maybe that's what it. Maybe that's what Sword Fight needs. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I've not. I don't. I'm. I took fencing when I was okay, little. And, really? Yeah, yeah, okay. and it was fine. Yeah. <laughs> I stopped because I was just super not good, and not not into it. Um, I felt like such a quitter when I stopped fencing. Um, <laughs> but um, but yeah, uh, that was. I don't think fencing's that fun. <laughs> <laughs> this is my in conclusion, uh, but like a really gamey, simple, like arcadey. What are you doing with sword? Is really fun. Like look at Nidhogg. Like that's like right. a really yeah, yeah. obvious example of that. Yeah, yeah, that game did it great. I yeah, mean, and a lot of that is just simply about like position and aggression. Mm-hmm. And, like it's that rock paper scissors, like risk versus reward. Yeah, You're constant, like in the environment. Like, oh yeah, yeah, it's a huge part of it. Absolutely. Uh, Star yeah. Star Wars had the advantage of force powers, so right. you could actually like force push people and so run around there's, faster. There's other aspects. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's cool. So were you were you programming at this time? Like were you starting to get into computers in that way? Yeah, I mean. I went to computer camp okay. uh, where I learned like C++ and made like basic little text adventures. Um, and also at the same time, I was playing around in the Jedi Knight level editor, okay. uh, which was Unreal Ed at the time. Um, and that's where I started like, like I have these very vivid memories of being in like my, my childhood room, uh, listening to Radio Disney. <laughs> 
<laughs> and making Star Wars levels uh, that now whenever I hear like uh, like a Backstreet Boys song, I will instantly I instantly flash back to like the like the dumb little levels I was making and like how overambitious I was and like try to recruit voice actors online. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, yeah, and all Jeez. this stuff. Uh, how old were you? I was too young to be. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting to be asking for. Uh, but yeah, oh man. Uh, did, were you were you ever on chat rooms and stuff like that? Uh, I mean, I guess. Uh, <laughs> I mean, not 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 usually live chat rooms. Okay, I don't really do that too much. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was um. Oh, also, I'm all this. My childhood's flashing back to me. Um, before Second Life, there was um a very similar like 3D chat room world called Active Worlds. Okay. And I spent a lot of time in Active Worlds because that also had um. Like the building sort of like it gave me the same fun of the Jedi Knight editor stuff, mm-hmm. but like people, it was network, so you could like lay out buildings together and like join a base. And I joined like a whole clan right. of like on this like chat room server, and there were like was there a game aspect or you're just building? I'm oh uh, oh fun. Uh, there was technically no game aspect, but uh, you could if you uh, had permissions in a world, you could. Uh, build a bot avatar, okay. like an avatar that just it's supposed. They were supposed to be chatbots, mm-hmm. but they could detect when you click on things, okay. like with your mouse in the world. Um, and I found out you could do this using Visual Basic, which was like okay. my programming language at the time. And I ended up making uh, what I now realize was an MMO, <laughs> basically, <laughs> because it's networked and it's online. And there sure. was basically one bot uh, who would like you would click on a thing and it would tell you how much damage you did to it and it would keep track of your level. Um, and so was, you, could, you could attach a giant script to it, basically? Like, exactly. Like, uh, there was just a visual basic script running in the background. Yeah. Uh, it's funny how little you need to make a game. Right? Yeah. Like, you just need some way to take player input. Exactly. Right? And then make a change and input output off of it. Right? Yeah, and, yeah. you know, it was just text in the chat box with that I could color, which is very important, um, and just leveraging players' imaginations, which was like... So other people would use this stuff mm-hmm. and, like, mess around with it? Yeah, yeah. Like, people would play that game. Uh, a few of my... Um, friends at the time found uh, online friends. I've never met them. Uh, found that like there was one bunny in the back that like was supposed to be overpowered and in, un- indefeatable, indestructible. But they figured out a way to just spam that bunny so much that eventually they had like you know level eight million and they were unstoppable forces. Right. Uh, so, it broke your game. Yep, <laughs> my fir- my first experience in balancing. <laughs> All right. So did you at this point? Um... I mean, at this point, game development was a little more public than it was, you know, earlier in the 90s or in the 80s. Mm-hmm. Did you think at all about becoming a game developer at this point? Or was that I mean, so far off? That- it was so far off. Like, I guess this was, I was 12 to 14 in that, like, Active Worlds period. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting. I've also never heard of Active Worlds, it's, ever. It's crazy so. that no one has heard of it. It's okay. like... It's bizarre to me. You can, I think that website is still up, and you can see how it got off a little. <laughs> yeah. But it's crazy to me that no one's heard of Active Worlds, even though that's where I got my start and made a lot of friends. Um, yeah. It's amazing how many nooks and crannies there are to the internet that just, you know, unless people talk about it, we'll yeah. probably just get forgotten. Yeah. All right, Active Worlds. Uh, the, the one after Active Worlds sort of, like, died and people stopped caring about it. Um, should I say this on the internet? Uh, I went to one called uh, Furcadia. F U R Arcadia. F U R Arcadia. Okay, so this is going. You picked an avatar of, and you picked their 
the species. species, animal, a furry animal, a furry animal species. Uh, There was no furry, um, you know, backlash on the internet at this time. time, (laughs) They were not looked down on, even they were not the the class below nerds. Yeah, exactly. But it was also like a fancy chat room where you could build worlds, except it was 2D isometric. Um, And yeah, there's like all these beautiful nooks and crannies of the world, and like I was obsessed with role playing in these games like someone made a castle and i like took the, uh, upon the role of the castle librarian uh and i was a mouse uh, <laughs> like it's amazing um and i'm sad that these sort of disappeared into the ether though i bet for kate is still going strong i bet yeah, i'm sure there's still like out there i mean obviously second life is still there right i guess yeah I mean, it's never really my scene but <laughs> i'm sure there's plenty of stuff like that still um huh uh oh yeah but so i was not even though I was making levels and doing all this stuff, I was not even cognizant that this was game design. Like, that I was, like, a, des- a designer. I just felt like, oh, I like programming, I like solving puzzles, and I like putting pieces together and being creative. It felt like Legos more than anything. So I just felt like I was having a good time. Right. And were you mostly using... Like, what other... Were you using other languages, or... Um, uh, at this time? At this time, I learned C++, uh, Visual Basic for the MMO bot, I guess. Um, and... You know, I sort of was. I sort of stopped programming for a little bit in the middle there. Right. Uh, I think for Katie, I had like some sort of scripting language, but I didn't touch it much. Right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't program again until. Oh, so after after this period of my life, I started making uh, flash cartoons with my friends. Oh. Uh, uh, we would write scripts and then we'd record our voices and then like animate these. They're they're awful. Uh, uh, <laughs> They were just because they was this, in, was this high school. This was high. This yeah, like freshman year of high school. Like this really juvenile, terrible right, high school right. boy humor. Right. Um, it was called Thomas and Darwin. I think it's still on Newgrounds. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, you can look it up. Uh, was and, that did that exist at the time? Like that was. Is that how you distributed? It on yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. New, yeah, definitely. I was definitely playing a lot of Newground games. How did you yeah. learn Flash? Like. Um, well, I, I would, was playing a lot of Newground games, and I was like, how or watching? Saying? Yeah, watching animations. You know what it was? It's Homestar Runner. Okay. Yeah, because Homestar Runner was this like amazingly funny. Was Newground? Were, were there more like animations than games originally? There were more animations than games on Newground. Definitely, okay. games were like this weird new thing. Huh. Interesting. Uh, well, I guess I know that Flash like started as like an animation thing. Like the games was not like exactly like a game was rare. In fact, like it was like so it was originally like an animation site. It was yeah mostly animations. Oh okay. Which is really interesting. I remember it just like you know juvenile like making yeah. fun of Britney Spears or whatever um, animations. And I remember finding a like a game or like a flash animation on there. And usually like they were megabytes big and like the big, more megabytes it was like the longer the animation was going to be. And it was really exciting. Um, uh, but like there was one that was like, like uh, 20 kilobytes. Yeah. And like they had to put in the top line, be like, this is a really, this is an interesting game. Ignore the file size. <laughs> Just because this is small. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> they had to beg. Uh, but yeah, because of new grounds and Homestar Runner, I wanted to see how that worked, and I found out animation. So how did Homestar Runner work? I mean, I've heard of that, but I didn't really. Uh, it's It was this website, homestarrunner.com, uh, and it was basically every week or so. Uh, I mean, it started out as a children's book for them, and they they were the main character supposedly Homestar Runner, but then they really caught caught fire when every week or so they released these things called Strong Bad Emails. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Which is a guy in a wrestling mask yes. answering emails at a yeah, computer. Right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So you were learning to make animations. Learning to make animation. Put stuff up underground. But animation is so hard. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
it takes forever like as i got you know it's that thing where as you get better you realize how much more work like making you need to put in to make it look better um at least that's the rule with animation and i was getting like tired i was like i cannot do any more frame by frame stuff this is like not fun for me but then i figured out that you you are you good at art what's up are you good at art like uh i was okay i mean that was i remember there was this like torture period in my life it was like high school what are you gonna do Uh, and I was like, I guess I'll be an animator. Mm-hmm. And I went to a bunch of animation like uh, programs and looked at them. And like, I remember asking a question like, "Is it okay that I want to be an animator, but I can't draw?" <laughs> <laughs> and they were like, "I guess that. I guess you could make that work." Um, I seems like that's actually totally okay now. Yeah. Right. Like, exactly. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> like, if, like if I did three D animation, I would I'd be killing it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I. Sorry. Um, Oh, yeah. So but then so I figured out that there was a scripting language inside of Flash. And that's really like where it all started rolling. I remember being really excited because I was taking AP physics and I learned basic gravity formulas. uh, And I was like, oh, I wonder if I can just plug this into uh, a Flash thing Uh and then watch, you know, things move around around and be attracted to each other and get like actual orbits. And it did. And I like felt so powerful. Yeah, I bet. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, the first time you, like, run a program that does something that, like, actually you don't expect, but, like, you put a system together and then you see it working. Like, exactly. super powerful. Suddenly you, like, can play with it. Like, yeah. my my website for a long time, like, after I, after I figured out this gravity equation, like, it was just literally my name spelled out in pixels uh-huh. and every pixel was a gravity object that would be attracted to the mouse. <laughs> so my, my friends would just, like, play on the website for, you know, like an hour or something just right. watching the pixels move around. Right. Um but yeah, so it was like such a, that was like, that's where it all clicked. I was like, oh, I'm just going to do this. Right. And I started like making platformers and looking into game design. And like, that's really where it okay. kicked off. So you started making a bunch of Flash games, basically. Basically, yeah. Um, I made like, I made like a platformer mm-hmm. uh, that was like, oh, looking back was like the worst program thing on the planet. But it did function. Sure. It was very basic. Like the idea was that you would jump and then you'd collect balloons uh-huh. which would you hold on to and then you could jump further okay. like very simple nothing nothing to write home about um and i went to a usc because uh, i lived in la so usc was right there and they had a summer program where you could learn game design because mm-hmm. uh, they they had started that program like two years ago two years before that yeah. um well, that's pretty early actually yeah for that. yeah uh, Tracy Fullerton is, you know, head over time. Um, and so... Whew, train of thought. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Um, USC. Oh, yeah, I went to USC. Uh, and we there we made a few games. And we learned about the basics of game design. And fortunately, it was all in uh, Flash, which I picked up pretty quick. Uh, and, and so the TA saw that I was pretty capable of programming mm-hmm. and they, and his name was Matt Corba and he was working on his thesis project, uh, called the misadventures of PB Winterbottom. Okay. Yeah. Um, and he, uh, didn't have a programmer because he was programming himself and like, you know, he would do stuff like if you press left, uh, just increment the exposition <laughs> of, of the sprite two right. to the left, yeah. uh, and if you hit a stair, then manually, like you know, like jump up. Everything was like super hard coded, yeah. uh, and I was like, "Hey, can you send me like the code, and I'll take a look at it?" And I basically tore out all of his movement stuff and replaced it with like physics, like okay. velocity, you know, uh, acceleration, jumping, all that stuff. Uh, and he's like, "Great, you're hired." And basically, 
uh, I spent my senior year of high school uh, on the like after school and on the weekends, I would go to USC and help him on his uh, thesis project. Okay. And uh, we ended up getting to the IGF, which was like yeah, mind blowing. I, I remember that game. I played that game. So you were like the one that. I, I, I thought that game was... It wasn't that long ago that it came out, though. Oh, no. This So it started out in Flash. Right. Uh, at, in, when it was in the IGF, it was just like a Flash prototype, like oh, a vertical okay. slice, basically. Okay. Um, but so yeah. you, you helped to make the Flash, the Flash I, game. I made the Flash... Like, I've you know figured out all the movement, and I uh, programmed, like, the recording system. Like, that's how I learned about arrays and stuff, you know. Um, and, and, yeah, and apparently it was, like still young and novel to have like an interesting platformer with an interesting mechanic. Like we were, right. we were like right at the beginning of that phase, which was, which was good for us. Right. Um, but yeah, eventually they, that, uh, that prototype and getting into the IGF got them a deal with 2k right. and which then they made their own engine and the Xbox version. And that's the one that came out okay. on Xbox and steam. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Um, I was just a level designer on that one. I didn't. There were like real engineers working on the end, <laughs> right? Because at this point, you're basically self-taught programmer. Mm-hmm. Right? Exactly. Like, much to the annoyance of the actual programmers on the team, because <laughs> like they would, they would like walk over to me and be like, be like, Asher, you need to put spaces in your conditional. I cannot read anything. <laughs> not read anything you're writing. Um, but yeah, so thank God I made that. Um, that prototype and help them get in the IGF uh, because I had terrible grades just throughout school, just awful, awful at school, just the worst. Um, Were you just kind of like not interested in school or? Yeah, I really hated homework. I really hated like being told to read stuff, being lectured at. Like I was just like, I just needed to touch things really. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, But thank God I made that because making that for USC, like basically convinced USC to let me in, uh, which is how I, Went to USC and went to their interactive uh, media division. So which, that was an undergraduate program? Undergraduate program inside of their film school. Okay. Yeah. Uh, which was fun because I had to take film classes. Okay. Which was really, really interesting because um, I'm not that into film. Like, I don't care that much about cinema and stuff right. like that. But just surrounded by people who are, like, desperately in love with it and want to make it their whole life. It's, yep. like, it's really fun to see them see that sort of passion even right. if you don't care about it <laughs> <laughs> it must have stood out <laughs> it's fun uh, i made some music videos you know for film production classes right. um but yeah and that yeah i suppose there probably wasn't a very the curriculum was probably still under development for the game mm-hmm. it's right. constantly in flux about like how much programming do we teach them how much film do we teach them like the film classes are really good actually with like how to convey story like without relying on like lots of text like basically like which is very useful for for, you know for games exactly like how to leverage people's imaginations and like what people respond to emotionally it's like this is like incredibly valuable um so i'm really they they actually have since downsized the amount of film classes sure there are people required to take which makes me sad because i think it was like this weird unique uh combination of education yeah um did you take like classic programming classes as well like cs classes uh i yeah, yeah, the, the, they required basic programming, but okay. I tested out of that, um, uh, and I took a data structures class, and that was, like, the best class I've ever taken. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, like, <laughs> got it, I excelled at, like, I loved going home and doing that, like... Because you saw that it was relevant, or you actually just enjoyed it? I just enjoyed it, like, <laughs> like this, like, really stupid stuff, like, uh, like, putting, generating a Markov chain out of, like, an Alice in Wonderland book, and, like, like, basically, like, how do you, and, like, just being able to process, like, all that data all at once, and, like, uh, how you store it, and, like, you know, linked trees, and, like, it was, like, just, I don't know, it was just, like, super I, fun. I remember my data structures <laughs> class, I don't remember it being pretty fun. <laughs> um, I think I was taught by a guy who's 
accent I can barely understand. So oh really? Oh, that's <laughs> the worst. Things. But uh, okay, cool. Yeah. Um, so you learned you started to get a little bit more. Yeah. Of a basic more yeah in programming. Yeah, which definitely has helped nonstop uh, uh, ever since. Um, because turns out making phone games, they're very CPU sensitive. So, uh, so it's been very good to like learn how to actually program efficiently and not like an idiot. Um, yeah. And were they teaching you in C++? Uh, yeah, this was, yeah, they were teaching C++. You know, we had to use Emacs, which I've totally, totally forgotten how to use. Um, and, and yeah, meanwhile, uh, in the games part, Mm -hmm. um, they opened up with like theory of games like it was like yeah. all you do is like learn about the history of games and like all that stuff uh but the real fun one was uh project workshop mm-hmm. which is um basically you had in the course of the semester you made three different board games okay um and you saw what worked and what didn't yeah. and like we definitely had like really over ambitious like terrible yeah. board games at the beginning and then really small but really fun board games at, towards the end because right. it's very clear that we were getting our shit together yeah. <laughs> Um, and then were there probably, I assume there were probably like big, uh, game development projects that you were also like, uh, yeah. Um, the, the class after that is intermediate game design, mm-hmm. which we, which me and my friend, uh, Sam Farmer, we were like, we're going to leverage this. We're going to leverage this class and actually release an, uh, iPad game because okay. the iPad had just come out okay. and we're like, yeah, we're going to do this. Yeah. Uh, and it was a cool new input and we, uh, teamed up together. Um, and our goal, like this was this was a very valuable lesson for me because I learned that paper prototypes do not always translate yes, yes, to yes. digital prototypes. Like for, so the premise of the game was um, you're thrown into this giant mech uh, with a bunch of complicated controls in it, mm-hmm. and you know nothing about them. Um, so the way that we had laid it out is that uh, on on a round table we laid down like all these paper cutouts of like control consoles and numpads and like arrow keys and levers and all that stuff. Um, uh, and and basically, we sat people down in front of it and told them, uh, "You have three minutes." And then we handed them a textbook, mm-hmm. an actual textbook that I had, where I had uh, opened it up and I pasted in a table of contents. And then on random pages hidden throughout the book, I inter- inserted con- uh, instructions about how to control the mech and basically okay. go walk around the little map in the middle. Uh, and like you know, just destroy three targets or something, uh, and that ended up being incredibly fun because like people were, like flipping madly through the book and like you know it was like the good like classic jokes of like C page ten, C page three, C page four, uh, and like jumping around constantly and and they had to like solve puzzles to move around and every time they did it wrong, like the mech would accumulate damage and it was like incredibly fun and like very successful uh, and we're like cool we're gonna make an iPad version of that um, right without the book without the book. But and with like just one screen and uh-huh. like there were a lot of problems. I, <laughs> right. Our first our first uh, iteration of it had an actual manual that you pulled in because um, it was an iPad. We didn't know what worked or what felt good or anything. So everything was just like floating around on panels on springs, and you actually had to drag the panels around. Which turns out when it when that doesn't work, it is the worst feeling in the world. Yeah. Like if you try to grab one. Yeah. Um, what makes a game work is so tied into like the actual like. 
what's the right term for it. I won't say the technology, but the actual forum itself, whatever mm-hmm. that is. Whether exactly. you're playing a board game on a table or you're holding a phone in your hand. Yeah. You have a mouse and a keyboard and a big you know, a screen in front of you or you're on a sofa and the TV's far away from you. I mean, these are like key things about what makes games work. Yeah, no, absolutely. I've always, I've been harping on this ever since that like games don't exist without context. There's a, like, you have to acknowledge the context That's that the game the word, is in. That's the context. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, you have to acknowledge the context the games are in. So, Here's the thing is that we had the manual. This is like a huge lesson. We had the manual in there. Uh, we had just learned how to play test. Uh, I took a whole, there was a whole play testing class where they talked, where they taught us how to like um, treat play testing like a scientific experiment, which was like incredibly valuable. Like you would like not, not say any leading questions. You would like, uh, we actually had a one way mirror room where people would be playing in one room and we'd be watching them from the other and record their play sessions. Like it was like perfect. And I, I loved learning that. And I was like, cool, we're going to apply these lessons that I learned to our intermediate game. Uh, and the first play test was miserable. <laughs> it was the worst. Uh, we tested with, uh, eight people, mm-hmm. uh, and everyone hated the manual because you had to pull it pull down, it down yeah. and then read it. And you're on an iPad. You don't want to be like reading, yeah. especially like with a time limit timer counting down yes. in the background. It was like hilariously bad. <laughs> um, though, like on the other hand, there was like one person who really enjoyed it. Like right. one, one kid who like really got into like the joke of it and like all that stuff. Yeah. Uh, and our mistake was, oh, we should fix it for the seven people and like forget about that one guy. Right. Um, so yeah yeah so we decided like oh it needs to be more accessible more simple as opposed to like leaning into the joke more and making it more obvious and broadcasting that it's a joke uh we were like we're gonna make this a polished beautiful ipad game we're gonna make a jillion dollars when we release it to the apple store it was like i guess the question there is like what's your game about right exactly is your game about this this bizarre manual thing in which case like then yeah you just need it you need to change it and you know maybe it's maybe it's not gonna have mass appeal Mm -hmm. but like if that's what your game's about, then yeah, I guess you do have to lean into that. Yeah. Like, well, what's the alternative? Like, what's the game supposed to be without the manual? Exactly. I mean, and that's, uh, we ended up pursuing the game without the manual, which is just... What did that mean? It What it meant, so uh, the game is on the App Store right now, actually. You can oh, download really? it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called Semi-Automatic. Okay. Um, and what it ended up being was, basically, there's a panel in each corner. So there's four controls and a mech walking down the middle of the screen. Um, and each panel is like, one is shielding, one is firing missiles... One is like um, a laser that you can move around. Um, and it's just sort of like an energy management thing where their energy goes down. And basically, it rewards you for touching the iPad as much as possible, of like okay. being like touching all the panels and playing with friends. So it was like a fun concept and it was fine. But, you know, we released it to the world and 100 people downloaded it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that was like the most devastating. Thing when only 100 people downloaded the game we were like destroyed um because did you expect to happen uh instant success fame <laughs> fortune oh my god was this, what era was this like what would what would be the model game that like you would hope to be at this point uh like, was like angry birds out at this point angry like angry birds and minecraft was starting up uh-huh. and we're like oh minecraft Right. If Minecraft graph can make money, then anyone Look can. Look at that game. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just that real, like, just that dumb ambition for no, like, without yeah. doing the work. Beyond the concept of like, how do how do people find out about your game? Do they begin? Like, how are you? Like, uh, when you, you just thought like people would start buying it, basically. I had a Twitter account. I <laughs> tweeted at people. Yeah. Putting some people's hands, but yeah, there was no way for it. Like, I just, uh, I had just seen some numbers on the internet of people like releasing their game and be like. Uh, and I be and I was like, 
Oh, I think Solobscure released their numbers and like a really pretty graph. And I was yeah. like, oh man, they got like a thousand thousands of downloads. We could hit a thousand downloads, no yeah. problem. Like not even close. Yeah. I mean, it, it can happen, yeah. right? I mean, bizarre games. I mean, Flappy Bird, obviously, right? All right. I mean, there's like there's serious quality to that game, actually. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, but, absolutely. Like, um, but it came from you know, I mean, he did not have a distribution mm-hmm. thing. <laughs> it just it just it just happened. Like it just worked out exactly. Like and I don't know, like. That Flappy Bird knows what it is. Flappy yeah, Bird is a, like, like a like a cat. It, it leaned into its thing. Okay, exactly. It's a class. It's a it's a casual massacre game, basically. Right. Uh, and and it leans into that, and it's great, and it's level. Basically, it knew what its audience was, which is the people who have like literally three seconds to be frustrated. Right. Um, and the problem with semi-automatic was that we didn't know who this was for. We were just making it for like the world because everyone in the world is going to play it, so everyone in the world has to like it. And then it ended up being so vanilla and so whatever. Um, and we made like there was like we were taking it really seriously and like asking people to work for us and not paying them and then like like really like awful like greedy stuff and like and when it did like nothing and I had like sort of ruined some friendships and stuff like over this game I was like wow I'm not going to do that again (laughs) I'm just going to be grateful for everyone's help and try to include everyone and like sort of be fair in the future like that was like the biggest lesson of semi-automatic to be honest in addition to like right. know your audience yeah yeah well you know it is useful that i mean in the past you know five ten years before then you know people might have been making games but or like you know if you had a if you had a game degree program there wasn't necessarily an easy path of saying like hey okay you make this game as a project and hey also release it as a commercial product mm-hmm. right like even if even if it's like nothing's going to happen with it like it's still like a good experience to go through mm-hmm. right like you know it's you know you think about you're not going to have any it shatters your illusions, right? Of like how easy it is to like get this stuff to work. Right. Right. Um, whereas in you know, the past, if you made some game and you're just like, well, I don't know how to sell this game, but like, I'm sure if it got out there, <laughs> I'd be rich. It's, it's the business people holding me back. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was a really good experience, like releasing a game and figuring out like, oh, we need screenshots. Oh, yeah. we need like descriptions and like a website and like yeah. it was really good. Like, yeah, I mean, I don't know, I don't know if game degree programs do this, but like it, it seems like they should just be like one of the requirements. Mm-hmm. Like, like, don't just make a game, but like you are going to release it, you're yeah. going to put it on the app store. Yeah, that's like such a huge part of game development that like they don't touch really. It's just like how to make a fun game by yourself, and I think that's like. That's not easy, but it's the easy part. <laughs> yeah. Cool. So what? Yeah. So what happened after that? Then uh, after a semi-automatic, uh, that was a bummer, and I decided like uh, I'm not going to work on a giant team because I don't want to disappoint giant lots of people. How many people did you need for that? Game? I don't. It was like uh, too many. <laughs> <laughs> you don't, don't want to count. We had like a professional voice actor and stuff in it. Oh like, my God. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> just right. like dumb, just poor, poor, poor decisions all around. I think it's an okay game. I think it's fine. Um, but yeah, at that point, um, I ha- I was oh yeah for my summer job I just went back and worked at that game company like the stuff that they were working on after. Oh, well, sorry, blah blah blah. Not that game company. Uh, you're very nonchalant about it. No 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 no. Back up, rewind, reverse. Uh, I went to work for the Odd Gentleman. Okay. <laughs> which which is the company that made PB Winterbottom. Okay. Yeah, right. so I went back to that company just to help them out over the summer um, on whatever things they were working on. Um, and they were pitching around a lot of games, um, and especially to um, like casual uh, Facebook portals because yep. Facebook games were big now, and like casual games were trying to pick up on phones, and like um, so we were pitching around there. I thought, and I made this cool, I made this cool little adventure game puzzle. Basically, like um, it was about like 
um, I prototyped this thing where there was like you had to cross a river and there was, you know, a tree and a bird and an egg. And like if you tapped on things, they would all do different things. And it was all about the order that you tapped on hmm. them okay. to get different endings, basically. Right. It's like those like old grow games. Yeah. Um, right. And and that was fun. And we were like, cool, let's go shop this around. Uh, and we went to a bunch of pitches, you know, no one bites. It's like how pitches go. Uh, and then we walked into one. Uh, uh, I forget the, I don't remember the name of the company and I don't particularly want to say the name of the company, but uh, the guy acted like a total, like not like a friendly games industry sort of meeting, but like as sort of like a jerk Hollywood, like I'm better than you. You're wasting my time being here kind of meeting. Right. And it was douchey, douchey, douchey as heck. <laughs> uh, and we all walked to that meet. Like I pitched him the game and he was, he was like, you know, constantly like shutting it down and like hating on it. And we walked out of there being like, that was the worst meeting of our lives. Let's never work with him. Um, but then he kept calling us, kept calling us and being like, hey, I like that game. Can you can you bring it back? And we, let's let's talk more about that game. Uh, but we decided like, you know what? We like this game too much and we don't like that guy. <laughs> so uh, so they went, they looked at me and were like, hey, Asher, can you just make up some casual game that these people would want to publish because they want to give us money? Right. Like, right. Uh, sure. And then literally like, sitting there across from uh, Matt Corba being like, how about a game that's uh, Tetris meets Boggle meets Bejeweled? I just named the three casual, three <laughs> ca- some casual games, three casual games and like combine them in a fun way. And uh-huh. I'm like, and I, and he's like, that sounds crazy. Go ahead, do it. Um, and so I spent a week like making basically programming Tetris, yeah. um, right. figuring out the basic, like you tap on it. Oh no, no. Um, figuring out the basic, um, mechanic of like what happens when you make lines and like uh the big revelation was figuring out like uh because oh yeah originally a block would fall in in this was puzzle the beginnings of puzzle juice and a block would fall and it would have each piece of the block would have a different color and also have a letter on it was were the colors always in there from the beginning yeah yeah so the different colors and the different letters it was like just this big piece of information basically drops from the ceiling Mm -hmm. of like that's a lot of colors, and also those eight letters on it, and also it's a Tetris shape, and you basically have to sort the, them. The letters were on it from the beginning. Exactly. Okay. Um, what what purpose did the colors have? If because you tap the colors to reveal the letters now. And now now in, in current Puzzle Juice, uh, that's exactly what happens. But in the beginning, I was like, I just want there to I, I the joke of I was like picking out the jokes. You know, the joke of this game was it's overwhelming amount of information. Uh, I. <laughs> that was like a painful. Joke. It's a ter- it's a terrible joke. Um, <laughs> And I actually don't know. I actually don't remember what the colors did. I have no idea. Okay. But yeah, basically it was one shower moment of like just taking a shower and thinking about puzzles. Be like, oh, the letters should show up later. Yeah. <laughs> basically, like now the rules. Whenever you make a Tetris line, well, it's interesting because I didn't. I mean, I, I obviously only played it after you mm-hmm. made that change. Um, but uh, you know, you could think it through before then. Where if the if the letters were on the Tetris blocks, well, now you can choose where to go, and where exactly. you choose can like create a word, and mm-hmm. like that's like, exactly what like, I was thinking. Oh, there's gameplay there, but like sometimes, like yes, a gameplay for like a super genius, <laughs> but, like, you know, like what about the rest of us? So anyway, go ahead. But no, that's exactly right. And like I thought, I thought it would be brilliant because like oh, there's all these levels of meta strategy, but it was just terrible and overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, that shower moment of oh, when you make a line or when you match colors, they turn to letters, and then that's your only way to get rid of them. So basically, and it was the best because it basically required you to do all three Tetris, Boggle, and Bejeweled in order to keep playing the game. Um, 
And I made the prototype and like and started play, play testing in the office and everyone was like, this is great. Let's show show it to the, the guy. Uh, and we went back to the guy and he was like, oh, this is too hard. No one will ever play it. And I was like, and then so we kept it and we just kept working on it. Um, and eventually uh, the odd gentleman got other projects um, and I went back to school and they sort of had not they were not working on puzzle juice. And I was like, hey, can I uh, can I have rights for puzzle juice and finish it up? And they're like, yeah, sure. Go ahead. Um, and so in my senior year, this was like, this was one of the rare times I was working on two games at once, um, which is, which was overwhelming. <laughs> uh, what and, was the other game? Uh, so senior year we started, um, or actually at the end of junior year at USC, you can pitch to this program called the advanced game projects, mm-hmm. which is basically like get on a big team yeah, sure, and make a big game, like a triple yeah. A game sort of like was the, is the idea. Right. Um, and so uh, I teamed up with a bunch of really smart people who decided, like, okay, let's. Here's the pitch: is that we're going to make a five minute. We're going to spend all senior year making a five minute experience. Okay, uh, like a triple A like experience, but only five minutes. Exactly, long, so we like, can actually make it. Exactly, that was the idea. Um, and I prototyped the basic like mechanics. It was called Blink. Uh, it was third person running around, um, but if you uh, held down one of the triggers and then pushed in a direction, it. Uh, it would give you like a little preview of where you're going to teleport, and then when you release the trigger, you pop over there. So it was like so you blinked. I mean, you, like that's a term. Yeah. Now it's a term. Now it was not a term back then. Okay. Um, Does the term descend from this game, or was it no? Just, a, just a, it's just a really. I guess it's the obvious. Term. It's just the obvious term of yeah. like blinking around. Okay. Um, so yeah, we made this blink, um, and we were finishing up and polishing it up, and I met like a lot of really good people on that team and we were like basically the goal was like we're not going to release this but it's going to be like just portfolio piece for all of us so that we we can all get those triple a jobs we all want (laughs) (laughs) is that what you wanted i didn't know what i wanted like did you you think you wanted a triple a i did i was like well because i tried Everyone else wanted it so you wanted it too well it's just i just wanted to try it like you know like it's not bad i mean if you can do it for a few years i mean you know like you gotta learn stuff exactly that was my idea like i'd work on small teams blink was a good example working on medium-sized team i was like maybe after school i'll go working on giant team see what that's like um, except, uh, in the middle of Blink, uh, I finished up Puzzle Juice, put a bow on it, uh, and important factor, I worked with Greg Woland, who did the art for Puzzle Juice, mm-hmm. and he had, like, a Twitter following and, like, you know, like, an actual, like, indie cred. Right. Um, so when we released it, we didn't release it to avoid, but actual people wanted to download it and were excited by it. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, I remember giving it to Adam at Indiecade before it came out, right. and he played it for, like, literally, like... 15 seconds and he's like oh this is good right. it's like and it was like the most validating feeling <laughs> of my entire life uh so it came out and released and did like well and did like you know like to a college student that was like more money than i'd ever seen in my entire life it's like right. well i guess i'm doing this after <laughs> college instead of the triple a thing yeah uh but i was already on the blink project so i followed through um and it was great and i was i was basically like um i had this little i remember very vividly of this little like uh after like senior year, deciding what to do with my life. Like I keep making indie games, um, working for the odd gentleman more. Um, and then also, uh, I was telling this to, oh man, Tom Frasina. Do you know who Tom Frasina is? Uh, he's like, I, I call him like the, I don't know. He's, he, he, um, he ran like, uh, blah, blanking. Um, I don't know what he did. <laughs> he's done a lot of he's done, he's done a lot of notable uh, stuff with like big game deals and all that stuff. And I told him my problem of like I didn't know where to go after college. Right. Uh, and he's like, "Give me, send me your resume." 
And I did, because why not? Uh, and then he sent it to that game company. Uh, and then that game company reached out to me, and I ended up being hired to work for them on their on their next game that they still have not announced. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Cool. Because this is this is like literally right after Journey. This, the studio had just downsized to three people. Right. right. Uh, and I was basically employee number five. Yeah, I guess I thought I thought that they had just like disbanded the studio. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't know like the actual. I did. I literally did not know that like they were an actual going thing still. Mm-hmm. Like until you mentioned. <laughs> um, wow. Well, actually, before we jump into that, like, yeah. let's talk about puzzle puzzle juice. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. So my. <laughs> My experience playing this game was like I had a very hard time jumping between like like I would start playing the Tetris aspect mm-hmm. and playing Tetris, playing Tetris, and then so like like oh the lines aren't going away and like oh I gotta play the, the puzzle the word game and I start playing the puzzle game and then like oh crap I gotta go back and it's like it was like it's it was a quite the challenge to like you know it's kind of like that rubbing your belly to it in your gum exactly whatever with no pen your head yeah, rubbing your belly to it in your gum it's impossible <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's just this really weird thing and uh um I think I guess I'm okay with it on easy. <laughs> I think I've learned to just be be happy with that. Um, although I'm curious, like, do you think it really needs the colors? Like, what's what the purpose? The, co- the colors are probably like the most like other. Well, actually, no. Oh, hey, hold on, back up. Uh, the colors are actually like a, like a pretty advanced mechanic uh, because in order to get a good score. Mm-hmm. In Puzzle Juice, you have to keep up your combo, which goes away after like 30 seconds or something. Uh, and to keep your combo alive, you just have to do anything, mm-hmm. like anything game related. Um, and one of the things you can do is pop a color. Pop the colors, yeah, yeah, so suddenly saving colors is like this important, like, uh, I've got to clear these lines. And like, and when you know something's going to happen, I'm going to save these colors for like, oh, shit, I haven't touched anything in a while. Like, pop. And then your, your combo is saved and you can keep going. Uh, so there is actually like a really tactical reason for those. Even though like at beginner levels, it's like, I could just keep making lines. What's the point of these? Um and yeah, and that that sort of that brain stretching feeling of like not being able to pick a thing to focus on is exactly like that was that's like the core feeling of Puzzle Juice and why I why we decided to keep pursuing it instead of like just trying it out and being like, OK, whatever. And putting it off to the side, it was like, oh, I, not a lot of games give me this brain stretchy feeling and take up like 100 percent of my attention. Um, I, I learned a lot of lessons from Puzzle Juice that like most people don't want. To, like 100% of their attention to be taken by a mobile game. Um, but a few people do. A few people like really just want sort of this escapism. Like I'm going to basically meditate by playing this like really intense game instead of like... Take all my brain. Exactly. Push everything out of it. Exactly. Um, so, and that's basically what that what Puzzle Juice ended up being for is like for that sort of escapism moment and not for like casual phone play, which is sort of what I wanted it to be. But that wasn't what it ended up being. Do you remember, I mean, did... You mentioned that the colors worked differently originally. Were there any other sort of like big changes that went through, or was it kind of like once like Tetris was boggle kind of just? Yeah, the, the the core mechanic was uh, once we figured that out, like it was pretty smooth sailing. I added in power ups because I felt like I had to, like I felt like I needed more. A little something else. A little, a little something else. I think the power ups don't really add that much. I think they're not inherently very interesting just because they're like extra rules that you have to learn. And I think they're okay, but. Um, and but really, I feel like the, the the secret spice that we figured out was the combo mechanic because suddenly it wasn't just like uh, to do this activity faster and faster. It was like, how do I? How does it work exactly? Uh, like I was saying, like you have to. Um, it's a multiplier that goes up every time you do anything. So like, make a line, multiplier goes up, pop a bubble, multiplier goes up, spell a word, multiplier goes up. What what kills your combo? Uh, just time. Like if you oh, d- okay. if you don't do any of those things uh, for like 10 seconds, I think, uh, 
then the background flashes white as like a warning. And then like two seconds later, combo ends. And it's sort of like, I, this is where I figured out this sort of mixed blessing thing, like, uh, like uh, that I use in threes a lot, which I love. Um, this sort of mixed blessing thing of, uh, hey, you screwed up. And, and this cool thing you were doing uh, is over, but I'm going to make it look like a good thing. Just so you're like constantly, like, just so you're happy that it happened, you know, like, um, so when you run out your combo, basically it rewards you in the big, big text in the middle of the screen, like times 110 or whatever. Bloop. So you, you get the stuff when you fail. Yeah, yeah you fail. Like you want to, you want to hold off that as much as possible. And then eventually advanced players learn like, oh God, I got that. I got a, I, I scored the combo instead of keeping it like growing and growing. Right. Um, also, you know, longer words get you more combo points also. Um, and it just literally multiplies your the score that you were gaining in yeah, that what, combo period. How I mean, if you could put it succinctly, like what role does the combo play in like making the game work? Uh, it, like, it compared to like the game without it, uh, it basically keeps it interesting. Like because after you've mastered the game, uh, it it feels pretty rote. I think and feel pretty like you know it, it consumes you, but it's uh, but it feels like stale, basically. And this is basically, uh, and the combo system is. But if it's exciting. like, it's on a timer, essentially, like, like the game's already on a timer, mm-hmm. right? Like, the blocks will keep coming, and like, that's what's gonna kill you yeah. eventually, right? So it's like an extra timer on top of it. It is an extra timer. It basically it turns the game from like. Somewhat sort of, stressful. Somewhat like, stressful to like, stressful. to like, yeah, it gives it that like sort of extreme step mania, like, keep doing things as fast as possible. Uh, and also, it sets like a nice rhythm because of like, the fact that it runs out in 12 seconds, like, you know that you should be doing something that often. And, like... I guess the other thing. aspect of it is it's also kind of optional difficulty, mm-hmm. right? Like, if players can just completely ignore it Absolutely. if they want to, yeah. right? And then they're just simply like, I want to keep the blocks from killing me, mm-hmm. right? And and then it, so it gives you a place to, like... It gives you something for the veteran player without messing up with the mm-hmm. the novices, yep. right? And that's, that's pretty key to, like, the game. And another part of Puzzle Juice was the scaling achievements... Uh, or like the like the goals, yeah. Uh, like it would give you three goals every every yeah. round. Um, was that the first time I saw that? Was um, Tiny Wings Jetpack? Oh, Jetpack. Tour. But you're right. Tiny Wings had probably Tiny Wings probably had that before that. Tiny so Wings is basically where, where got I got it from. from. Yeah. We got that idea because I because that's because those achievements are what kept me playing Tiny Wings, which yeah. is like a very simple game. And I was like, that's, that's cool. A, that's a, looking back now, like that's a huge innovation. Yeah, that thing that he did with Tiny. Oh, Wings. absolutely. Like, that's why it's one of those like. Three or four like core pillars of like mobile games, basically. Exactly, just like basically keep you know the the breadcrumb trail, like yeah. of like what should I do next? Like how what's it mean to be a better player? And you can basically teach people using those achievements, which is like a good yeah. feeling. Uh, like one of the later achievements is like get an a th- a times a thousand combo. Yeah, um, which like actually like had me like sweating like when I <laughs> whenever I like had to test that 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 yeah. one worked. Um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was interesting because it was like a best case scenario for achievements. Like when mm-hmm. achievements came out, you know, it was kind of like I was like had kind of like mixed feelings about them in general. Mm-hmm. But I like the positive side was like, hey, this could really encourage you to play games differently, right? Exactly. Like we could have some weird achievement for Civ that like you you know you well like a classic one would be like you can only have one city, right, mm-hmm. or whatever. And like okay, so now if someone's you know going to play the game very differently to get the specific achievement. It's like it's kind of like a slightly different variant of the game that they have simply because of the achievements. But like mm-hmm. I feel like in practice. That doesn't happen because it's kind of like 
the achievements are like off here, hidden yeah. away, and there's so many of them, you're not going to focus on one. Mm-hmm. Whereas with these mobile games, it's like it's constantly spinning their content, right? Yeah, yeah. It's like here's a bunch of new ones, and just focus on these three. Don't exactly. worry about like the giant list. Like this is what your goal is right now. You know, Tiny Wings was totally brilliant for that, and I like that. Like that, that was kind of a secret innovation uh, instead of like because you know actual the, game. the actual game, which was fun and fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Because like those games, like you know, it's it's yeah, they're pretty cool. But like, you need that extra twist. Yeah, mm-hmm. definitely. Um, okay, cool. All yeah. right, so let's talk about that game company then. Uh, yeah. So, um, so yeah. Sorry. Or or probably not talk about it. Too yeah, much, I, <laughs> since it's I, still unannounced. still unannounced. Uh, well, I can't. But they they're sticking to their pattern, which I love. Okay. Uh, they they told me they wouldn't, but they are. Which is that uh, flow took one year to make. Flower took two oh, years to make. Journey took three years to make. And this one's definitely on track to take four years. Yeah. Well, if uh, they have less people, then I'm sure they're helping themselves out there. Um, no, they, they've scaled up. So oh, they scaled up. Okay. okay. Um, but yeah, they're they're alive and well. And okay. Well, things. great. <laughs> I'm glad they're still here. Uh, but so one night after work, I went home. I, I went to a cafe. Uh, and I was trying to impress my girlfriend because uh, she she's a writer. And I was like, I I can write too. I know this is dumb. This is like a dumb thing to try to impress her. Um, uh, so I wanted to try like writing a short story or something. And I got like one sentence in and I was like, I can't write. Writing is really hard. Uh, and I was playing around with the arrow keys. Mm-hmm. Um, and, I, and I was watching the cursor move around. And then I was like, oh, I wonder if I could make a game that's just arrow keys. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I closed, closed that as fast as possible. And then... <laughs> I thought that you were trying to write, and yeah. instead you like you started thinking about a game, like the based first off the thing. word process, exactly. Uh, <laughs> so I like insta closed it, opened up Unity, um, and basically spent the next ten hours, like I stayed up all night, uh, prototyping uh, the original version of Threes, right. uh, and I sent the like the thing. So what was the original version of Threes like? Because there must have been some significant differences. oh significant differences. Like the the core was that it was a grid. Mm-hmm. It was a grid of numbers, okay. and uh, each arrow key moved the entire grid all at once. Okay. That was like so. That's still basically that's still there. That's still there. Yeah. Um, the difference is that uh, any multiple of three could combine with any other multiple of three. Okay. So three and six could make nine, for example, like that. So you get all sorts of numbers. Though. Yeah, all sorts like whatever numbers we want. Um, but what? Well, well, I mean, that's the limiting factor is when you can't combine them. Yeah. Three. So how would you lose under this version? Uh, just from being a new player, like you know, like you would not understand the sort of the flow because ones and twos were there. Oh, they were still there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, like I didn't start with twenty forty eight, like with like two plus two equals four. Yeah, like yeah, that, yeah. That I started with one plus two equals three. Right. Um. Uh. And and so people would clog up their boards with ones and twos, mm-hmm. and also I artificially added difficulty by some tiles had like a wall on one side of them, okay, and you couldn't combine like that direction. Um. And this was like the one night prototype. Um, oh man, it's so much nicer to have. I just already looking forward. Like it's so much nicer to like get away from that artificial rule exactly. with a rule that's instead based off of like the core game mechanic. Exactly. Adding numbers together, mm-hmm. they have to be the same. Anyway, sorry. Go ahead. No, yeah. I mean, uh, you're right, but I mean, so I made this little prototype, and then I sent it off to some friends. Uh, sent it off to Rami on Facebook. I was like, here, play this thing. Um, and they would write back like, hey, this is fun, this is good. Uh, but the real, the thing that like, like basically clicked the switch of like, oh, I should pursue this game, uh, is that they would message me one hour later, <laughs> being like, I'm still playing your goddamn game. <laughs> um, uh, and then like an hour after that, they were like, oh, I found out how to play it forever, which is just like 
they figured out how to stop being roadblocked by ones and twos. Yep. Um, but still, like just knowing that I could get an hour of gameplay out of like one night's work was like mind boggling. I was like, okay, there's some cool core here. Um, and I actually went to that game company, like the I went to the people who worked there, and I was like, I made this cool game, and I'm interested in pursuing it. Uh, do you guys want to publish it? Like, I'll work here, like, on it, you know. Uh, and they looked at it. They thought it over. Like, you know, it's not our brand. You can just keep it. Right. Um, oh, good on them for yeah. being like that. Yeah. You can just keep it and work on it at night, not on work hours. It's, like, cool. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, and then 10 months passed, and I popped out. I left that game company because I was getting impatient, and I wanted to release games faster. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so I started working on threes. And like you said, I started like, um, there were a lot, a lot of iterations on threes. Um, I sent it off to Greg, the artist on puzzle juice, yeah. and he started like making art for it. Um, and so, uh, I kept trying to solve these game design problems in it. Because, like you said, the artificial difficulty, uh, I didn't know it was a problem at the time. I was right. like, okay, people are figuring out how to play it forever. Obviously, i got to ramp that up. So, like, right. you know, just adding more walls and stuff like <laughs> right. that. Uh, and then there was also the issue of uh, scoring. Mm-hmm. Because at, at that point in my head, it was like, okay, this is a game you could play forever. There's no good lose state. Right. Um, what, how do I, instead of being like, how do I add a lose state? It was, how do I handle scoring in an infinite game? And, like, what does that mean? And Because right. you, thought, you thought that might just be the way the game is. Exactly. Just play forever. And- exactly. Um yeah, and so I had tried to figure out like all these like different mechanics, like like a little monster that's on like a hole that's on the board, and like it would eat multiples of threes, uh, and the bigger the number, the uh, basically like you'd have. Oh yeah, it was like you had to feed the monster every three turns or something. Wow, well, that's like, a big difference. Yeah, yeah, like it was crazy. <laughs> um, or, or else you'd like start losing points. Like it was like this weird like sort of like. Very obtuse, confusing rules. Like, nothing was working. Um, But Greg was getting really into the monster. He's like, okay, there's something here. I think there's a cool sort of balancing mechanics, like a risk-reward sort of thing here. Uh, But I was unconvinced and stopped working on threes for, like, three months. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, like, um, this is, like, one of the biggest lessons I've learned in game design is like sometimes things just take like calendar time yep. just just you can't rush it yeah. you can't rush it so I just like sort of best step back from threes for three months uh, did other things did contract work um, and then one day it clicked like oh we should take out the monster <laughs> um, <laughs> we should take out the monster and also the rule should be that only uh, threes can match with themselves like three three and three six and six twelve and twelve how did that realization come was it just did it just pop in your head or did you work your way to it uh i mean i I definitely like turn on a thing of like okay let's start thinking about threes again um but yeah i have no idea how that happened it's like it's a shower moment it's like when you're like sitting standing there no stimulus just sort of blanking and two synapses connect um that they should be matching and then as soon as i did that i was like oh i can take out everything else monster (laughs) take out the walls take out the power-ups that i put in in the middle there um it's an amazing moment when you can make a game change. A game mechanic change that lets you remove stuff from the game and uh, still, like, you know, preserves the... Because just by definition, the less stuff in a game... You want as little stuff in a game as possible. Mm-hmm. Now, you talk about, you know, like, Civ, like, you, you know, that bar is higher. <laughs> yeah. Right. But, like, you don't want stuff in there that's unnecessary. So, exactly. And for, like, a game like this, which is, you know, casual mobile game about numbers, like, yeah. Like, yeah, like, as little as possible. Like, 
I was suddenly I was like, oh, and then the simplicity of the game is what I fell in love with. Like I was like, oh, cool. I don't have to implement those goddamn achievements like I did in Puzzle Juice. <laughs> yeah. Because they were like, they made the game work, but they were so. Oh, yeah. You were probably trying to do that by default, right? Yeah, exactly. I was like, just assume that that was a thing that I had to put in. But like, I really, one, I hated doing it because he had to like test him every time he changed the game. Well, the game is so pure that it's hard to. Like, I don't even know. I can't even think of, like, three achievements. I'm sure I can think of some if I had yeah. to, but, like... The the, ach- the achievements we end up going for is, like, just what tile have you achieved? Mm-hmm. You know, like, uh, have you gotten a 12 before? Have you gotten a... Yeah. Um, and that ended up being enough. Like, just that sort of drive, like... And, like, it had this, like... It ended up having this really nice curve of... Um, each level was exponentially harder to get to just yep. because of math. Yep. Um, yep. And so that matched really well with people's, like... It matched really well with people's skill level like early on they'd be making these big very satisfying leaps from one number to the next number um which is very satisfying but then they figure out how the game works and at that point they they're more they're satisfied with the little incremental growths that they're making right so it's like it just ended up mathematically working out really really well um yeah it was sort of mind-blowing like just the just that it's amazing how that one rule can just sort of yeah. change everything and yeah so i fell in love with the simplicity of it and it was so fun to be like we don't need this we don't need this it's everything's gonna be simple and tiny and minimal and elegant um we you know we started thinking about marketing it's like how, how do we sell this game this is a weird sliding number game um for a long time i thought that it would never do as well as puzzle juice um because puzzle juice is easy to explain Puzzle juice, like there are people you go up to someone's like it's like Tetris, but you spell things. Like, yeah. okay, I can imagine that. You go up to you try to describe threes, you're like to someone who's never heard of it. That's true. Yep. It's a bunch of numbers on a grid and you move them around. It's like, yeah. Okay. Um but it's turn based and simple. Yeah. So uh so that we ended up going with uh, a tiny game you can play forever. Yeah. Uh and we a tiny game you can play forever, and we figured out a gif that people could watch to mm-hmm. explain the game. That people that was very shareable, like on Tumblr and stuff. That's good. Uh, that's good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, I just started playing it because everyone was talking about it. That's, I mean, that that's that was basically what happens. I think it kind of just, it it doesn't matter you, exactly. It didn't matter what you guys decided marketing wise. <laughs> like, I mean, we had to get that first click, like to just get people in the door. Yeah. Uh, and so we needed both of like obviously it should be fun and viral and all this stuff. Oh man, when Twitter added the ability to post images on people on and Twitter. Yep. So, like, one, everyone hated it because, like, this was my pure, perfect you text. change, right? Yeah, because this is my pure, perfect text feed. And suddenly there's images in it. What is this? Facebook? It's awful. <laughs> blah, blah, blah. <laughs> this happens every six months. <laughs> it's great. Anyway, go ahead. Um, and so I was mad, too. But after I got over that, I was like, oh, we can use these images. Put GIFs in. And... But yeah, to, to, well, it was before GIFs. Were even oh, even that. Okay. was like, oh, people could share their scores. Yeah. And using a graphic that we generate. And, yep. Yep. Uh, and so then that was like putting in that Twitter button was like the best decision because that that's what really made it yeah. viral because people. Yeah, I'm sure I saw some of those go go by on Twitter and I'm sure that you know, primed me to play it. Yeah. One of my favorite one of my favorite, favorite, favorite design decisions in threes is that there's no leaderboards in it anywhere. Mm-hmm. There, and the, the lack of achievements actually obfuscate how well you're doing like you there's no sure, yeah. there's no context whether you're doing well or poorly or like like relative to other people uh but people wanted that and sure. the only way to get that was to post their score on twitter oh. and be like is this a good score right, yeah, guys yeah, yeah. <laughs> huh that's interesting to think about that yeah and then it went sort of viral and it's like it was like that was really fun that was such a good fun experience to watch right yeah yeah wow so that must have been an amazing time right like it was, was taking off and like i mean it must have done you couldn't have imagined like how well it did. Yeah, I was blown away. Like it was 
again, more money than I'd ever seen in my entire life. And everyone was playing it and was getting all these news articles, like in newspapers. And like my mom was making like a million, my mom was making, my mom was making magnets. Uh-huh. Uh, so like she would take screenshot, like literal pictures from her phone of like her monitor uh-huh. and then like send that to the magnet making place. And then like, uh, there's a magnet on her fridge of a picture of an, that she took off her monitor of a news article yeah. where it talks about how to eat is good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's cool. Uh, that's neat. I mean, for, for parents of people who have, for parents of, of game developers, oftentimes they kind of look on kind of bemused about like, they don't necessarily understand what they're doing, but like, when I see when you're making mobile game yeah. like that, like it's spread to everyone. So they must've been like, yeah, super proud it's, of you. Right. It's really interesting. Cause my mom hated puzzle juice. Like she couldn't play it. <laughs> well, yeah, it's, a hard uh, yeah, game. it's a hard game. She couldn't play it. She was like supportive, but you yeah, know, yeah. but she really, really liked threes. Yeah. Suddenly a game that my mom could play. Uh, in fact, one of the magnets is her high score. She found out how to <laughs> take screenshots on her phone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, cool. uh, so she was like very into it. Very proud. Uh, and yeah, it was just sort of like, I was like, it was life changing. Like, you know, like it's, it's been, it's been weird not to jump ahead, but like I'm starting a company now. Right. And I know that if this game does really well, I'll have that feeling of like, cool, we can keep running this company. Right. But as an independent person, as like one person or, you know, there were three of us, me, Greg and Jimmy, um, who did the music, uh, there were the three of us and suddenly we had basically options like we didn't have to do contract work anymore like right. we could do whatever we want and, just, and start going down any path and just be creative like artistic people it's like really mind-boggling and scary and like you know like it's impossible to know what to do yeah um but thank god 2048 happened because i took our minds off that <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was going through my mind of asking like so should i, should I ask you about the clones how do you, how do you feel about the clones uh, it was like one month later 2048 came out yeah um I, I like at this point I'm like proud basically of like making a genre sure. that sort of exploded. Yeah. Yeah. Twenty forty eight was the second most Googled game that year. Wow. On the planet. Yeah. Uh and I was like, Oh, I did that. That's <laughs> cool. Uh the first one was Flappy Bird. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's Flappy Bird's Flappy Bird. Oh. Yeah. Um so yeah, um it was it was real like like uh tw- like it was it hurt at first. But it was flattering. I think it hurt more for Greg because he'd been cloned so many times in the past. Yeah. With, like ridiculous fishing and stuff. Um, but it was just sort of. Well, it's tough. The simpler your game is, I mean, it's, yeah. if you have an enormous hit and the game is like so simple and pure, like yeah, and like it's like it's almost it's almost like a lot of nature at this point. Like it's going to happen. Exactly. Like uh, I warn people releasing iPhone games now, being like, "Are you worried about cloners?" Because like. Because this Polygon video just came out that explained how the exact mechanics of your game, and someone can just copy that and make their own game, and like tomorrow. Yeah. Um, and so I definitely worry about it. And now I encourage people to make free games because the market's different, and uh, that's the best way to prevent cloners is to just fight them on their own terms, basically, yeah. and make a better game. Yeah. Well, so what? I mean, so now you've started your own company, or like you started a, a larger company. I started like yeah, a, a yeah. company that's bigger than me, right? Like two co-founders and like. You know, uh, there are seven employees total. Right. It's crazy. Um, Is it free to play? Oh, yeah. It's going to be free to play. Uh, So you can speed it up if you want to? Is that... uh, Yeah. Actually, I've got... I want to... I have a unique idea how to deal with that. Like, I really don't like the spend 99 cents here and then, you know, finish this journey faster. Like, because I don't... I think it feels really artificial. Um, But I really, really like the idea of a fast forward button in the game. You just hold it down and you watch everything move faster. Right. Uh, I think that's like 
more fun, more tactile, and like um, the amount of time that you can hold down the fast forward button is either a resource, like say watch an ad for thirty seconds of fast forward, right. or we could just sell that button for a premium price, and then it's a once you, can, you have it, once right. you have it, just hold it down forever, and suddenly it's a it's a normal RPG. It's a normal like go out and explore as much, play as fast as you want RPG. Um, it's like buying the demo. Exactly. Right. right. Um, so, but what I, what the issue generally speaking with free play games yeah. is if you have a ceiling on cost, mm-hmm. it can be an issue. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, but also at the same time, like ethically, like I've been going back and forth about free to play stuff and ethics of it and like what it means for like the industry and all that stuff. Cause in the middle of it, like, uh, like roughly a year ago, I released the free version of threes. Yeah. Uh, and I'm really proud of uh, how I handled ads there mm-hmm. because I feel like a lot of free games have this sort of like set up this combative relationship yeah. between the player and the developer of like like the player is like oh man how much how much free content could I get yeah, I by be, by being clever and being smart with my time I can get as much free content as possible and that's like the game and I hate that because it's like it's setting up this terrible relationship so in threes free we set it up like you have ten games you can play. But once that runs out, you have to watch one ad, yeah. and it'll give you three more games. Yeah. And it's like one to one. There's value here. Thanks for supporting us. Like we, I say that all over the game. Like you're supporting the developer. Thanks for that. You're being great. But just to make it clear, like the game you're playing has value. It's not a race because I hate the race to the bottom. I hate the idea that everything is free and all that stuff. Because um, when people get, when people spend like you know, $500 on a new iPhone, mm-hmm. they don't open up the app store and be like, I can't wait to spend 500 more dollars. Right. They're like, what free stuff comes on? Like what stuff comes with this $500 phone? Like right. that's their mentality. Um, so asking them to spend money up front is like uncomfortable for people who are not thinking about game developers all the time, like us. Um, so I do think there's a sort of value in free. There's like a lot of value in, enabling people to play for free. Like, cause a lot of people are very sensitive about their wallets and a lot of people, a lot of younger kids don't have access to credit cards and all yeah. that stuff. Like what's the, like what's the revenue percentage for you between like the threes free and like the threes, threes and threes free. Uh, the freeze works fine. Um, it's, it's roughly like it, it changes, uh, on some days it's 50, 50, mm-hmm. like 50% from the paid version, 50% from the free version. Right. Uh, I think on average, the free version makes a little less than the paid version. Uh, but a lot of those paid installs come from people sure. from the, who played the free game and want to remove the ads, you know? Um, so, so yeah, so it's done pretty well. And it's like the nice thing about ad support, ad support is that the long, like threes has so much retention. People yeah. play it for years or whatever, as far as I can tell. Um, and by having people basically pay me 0.001 cents for every three games they play, right. um, uh, Suddenly, you know, it's viable for me to sort of, you know, I make money off people playing for a long time, yeah. which is, which is a good thing. Which right? is a good thing. Yeah, yeah. Good for it felt it felt really weird to be like when the when threes like totally dipped down. I could see like, oh man, there's a hundred thousand people playing threes today. Yeah, and I made, I know, I made like a little bit of money. It's like yeah. it was that weird disconnect. So, so yeah, it's like the free to play is so like so chock full of like ethics and like and like that's I really believe that when people put down money for something, anything that they should be receiving value in return. And a lot of free games sort of like artificially put walls in and make it feel like you're getting value, even though they're just sort of giving you more of the same content. Um, it's, it's messy. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, 
my, my answer to the whole thing is to not make a free to play game <laughs> because it's scary. Like it's mm-hmm. it you know like game, making games is hard enough. Mm-hmm. If you're making a free to play game, you're like you're compounding your problems, right? Like mm-hmm. because maybe your game works, but your business model doesn't work, right? No, absolutely. Like, so. It's 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 really scary, and I, I'm really scared. But also, an audience that I want to reach is kids. Yeah, and the kids don't have money, and like I want to be yeah. able to like just sort of give them the opportunity to enter this game without walls, you know. Yeah. Oh man, the, the free to play kids games are asking for like continually like beg- you know bothering the kids to buy stuff. Yeah. Like, yeah. There should be a special level of hell for like <laughs> <laughs> the people who are making those epic games. Like, it's just oh man. Yeah, you got to be real careful of that when you're like you know you know who you're gonna have a young audience. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, I'm not not that young, but like you know like people in high school or whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um. But yeah, uh, but yeah, I don't, I'm not a huge fan of consumables. I think they like, for example, a fast forward button, that's like a very reasonable place for it. But like, honestly, my, the, this is part of the reason that there's a story and that there are characters and that there's writing and all that stuff is because I think that stuff has value and I feel honest when I ask people to pay for that stuff. Right. So we're going to have things like characters and our job is to make you fall in love with these characters so that when the character says, you know, I've got this really tragic backstory with my brother, but my brother is in that other part of the map that is locked off yep. behind a paywall, basically. And basically, uh, people will make the decision to pay for that, or we figure out an ad-supported solution. solution. Right. Uh, my ad-supported solution, uh, we'll see if this works, uh, is to... Uh, if you decide you want to go on down that content road, but you don't want to spend any money, you would be opting into ads. Because there's no ads to begin with, but then you're like you're choosing into it. You're yeah. choosing like I'm gonna have. I ads think things it. have gotten better once now the ads have become kind of a more standardized thing because it makes things just a lot more flexible. Exactly, because like it's a way to to be free and also honest. And but I mean, ads. Someone's paying for those ads, mm-hmm. and at some at any point in the future, the economy could decide. You know what? These ads are not really paying yeah, off, yeah. and then they stop paying for ads, and then suddenly there's. Well, the funny thing is, a lot of those ads you'll see on on a free to play game or for other free to play mm-hmm. games. So they're essentially being paid for by the more like predatory free to play games. Yep. <laughs> so it's like it's kind of this whole crazy ecosystem. It's it's so weird. Like and uh so the the Clash of Clans, their next game is coming out soon. Yep. Um and it's really funny to hear at Dice, this very businessy conference, people talk about like, man, it's gonna be impossible to do user acquisition after that game comes out because right. they're gonna buy every yeah, single ad slot. <laughs> Yeah, it seems like there's this whole crazy arbitrage thing going on. Yeah. Where, like at some point, the two lines are going to cross. And mm-hmm. It's just me, like, well, that's it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the the the, the free to play connection between game design and people's wallets is like really uncomfortable. Really, really uncomfortable. So as much distance as I can put between those two, the better. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just it's the reality of making a mobile game, right? Mm-hmm. Like you know, you're making a mobile game, you got to figure out the right way to answer these questions. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Um, so the one thing I like to usually finish with yeah. uh, these interviews is asking, you know, why why do you make games? Like, why why is this what you want to do with your life? Um, I feel like I've heard this answer before on this podcast, but like <laughs> we're starting to get self yeah, 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 now. absolutely. I mean, really, we're hitting that level. It's right. <laughs> fine. It's cool. I'm sorry, I was like uh, when you asked me to join, I was like freaked out. I was like, oh god, it's my favorite podcast. Uh, <laughs> um. But yeah, it's definitely just, there are so many problems in games, so many design problems, and mm-hmm. just the satisfaction of those, of that, of those moments when your synapses fire and you make those connections of like, oh, here's a really elegant solution to this really complex problem. 
And that's all I'm looking like. That's the joy that I'm looking for. And that's the joy that games sort of constantly provide because, because you're just building these complex systems and finding out how to make them simple and what to take away and what, like finding the core is such a wonderful, yeah, like life-changing event. So you enjoy working through the problem. Oh, absolutely. Basically. Yeah. Like, I like hitting my head against the wall. I like, you know, taking long walks and pacing around and like sort of like scribbling on books and like until it like until it clicks that's like that's what drives me and that's super fun that's also why i like programming because there's a lot of that in that too yeah that's interesting i mean some designers that's kind of what they hate about game development you know like that's the hard that's the hard part right like they they want everything to just go smooth right like it's all about like that initial idea Mm -hmm. like that's yeah there's just different types of developers right so yeah cool Cool. All right. Well, thanks for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks so much. Great. (laughs) Cool.